0: Good morning. Uh, we're happy to be here with you this morning and looking forward to sharing our market updates. Um, healthcare marketing in post-COVID new normal. A lot has changed over the past few years and we have pivoted through some really interesting challenges. So we're here to share with you our observations um, on what we've been seeing and what we're working on for our clients specifically moving forward. Um, so in our presentation today, we'll be uh I'll introduce the team, Stuart, Kathy, and Josh, who you have on the call here today. We'll talk about from pandemic to endemic, our observations being in this space. We've all got decades of experience in healthcare, and this has been a challenge like we've not been challenged with before. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about branding and messaging, the cornerstone of your marketing, why it's so critical to have your unique selling proposition or your core values evident in everything that you do. You wanna give people a reason to choose you outside of just convenience, insurance, or accessibility. We want to make sure our message is resonating and our differentiation is standing out. We're also going to talk about paid search, SEO and local SEO, uh, traditional advertising, a little bit about the traditional space, B2B, um, optimizing your all-important phone conversions, and then also digging a little bit into our wonderful tracking and analytics and attributions and reporting that we're able to provide. Um, so, with that being said, I'm going to introduce Stuart Gandalf, our CEO. He'll be kicking off the uh, presentation today. Um, Stuart will introduce himself and tell you a little bit about his background and credentials here in just a minute. My name is Kathy. I've been a senior strategist running alongside Stuart for a couple of decades now. We've been all over the country, <clears throat> excuse me, with healthcare strategy, strategic planning, and plan in- implementation. Stuart and I have both worked with thousands of clients, as has our colleague, Josh. Um, Josh is our digital specialist, and we'll be talking to you about digital strategy and a little bit about what's happening in the market space today. And then uh, our other colleague, Jacob, won't be attending today, but is available to field calls or questions if you have them following um, our presentation today. Uh, so with that being said, I'm gonna pass the baton over to Stuart Gandalf, our CEO, to talk a little bit about the impact of COVID-19 um, during the emergency response phase of the pandemic. So Stuart, I'll pull Great.
1: up. Oh, the- is that, oh, no. Is that, can you back up a couple? Yeah. <laughs> go. Um, hi, everybody. I'm Stuart Gandalf. I'm glad to be here. Uh, thanks for joining say so We have a really good attendance today, so it's just mm-hmm. fun, always. Um, so the uh, I'm Getham, CEO of Healthcare Success. As Kathy mentioned, I've been doing this for a couple of decades. Uh, one of the, uh, in terms of our firm, we are a truly integrated agency Um, We've got about 40 employees, we work nationally, actually internationally, we have some clients in places like England. So we really do everything from branding to digital to traditional to professional referral building, lots of things. Um, At any rate, so I'm going to talk today, this opening slide, I think it's important to set the context. Some of you may have seen me do webinars or speeches before, I often start off with a little context as to kind of where we are, what's new, what's happening. And I thought this was timely now. And some of our uh, longtime blog subscribers and readers may have seen our webinars through, especially during the beginning of pandemic. We did a whole bunch of webinars, um, very well attended, because obviously nobody knew what to do. And we did a lot of thinking about, okay, where are we? What makes sense to do now? And so those were well received. And we haven't really done one like this for a while, but I feel we are at a turning point And I wanted to cover over... Um, what's real and what's you know happening, and you know what? Where? What do we do now? Because things are different. So one of the first things is I would like to point out is while we all are maybe over over it with COVID, it's not done with us. Next slide, Kathy. The um, right now, this is a, a headline I've got from the Guardian. About U.S. and it was saying essentially that it could be up to 30 times higher than reported, and it's already being reported a lot. In other words, last time I looked, the rolling seven-day average is around 100,000 cases of COVID. But the problem is, people don't go to urgent cares anymore. People don't go to official places anymore. They get home tests, and there's um, very little reporting from home tests. So most people that are COVID positive have just sort of suck it up and hopefully self isolate. But that um, the uh, source of data is now missing so the government really doesn't know where we are and nobody knows where we are in terms of COVID but we know that it's likely much much higher than the case rate it's now I know personally almost every other day someone I know personally has COVID so this is happening a lot I mean uh, it's you know so sample size of one but I'm just telling you it wasn't like that in the early days of COVID where you know people came down so quickly fortunately fatalities are way down because of you know obviously there's been some improvements in care and people have had it or been vaccinated so uh, but still it's definitely not over it with us even though we're in the summer COVID is still spreading pretty aggressively. Next slide. Um, healthcare systems, it's funny, people, you know, everybody on this call or almost everybody on this call is from healthcare. And we understand this, you know, the public thinks, oh, this has been a great opportunity for healthcare systems to get rich. <laughs> and of course, it's been exactly the opposite effect, right? All those elective surgeries postponed, all the disruption. And, um, you know, I'm reading even some of the most notable prestigious or prestigious brands um, out there are facing as a result of the hangover from COVID. Next slide or next bullet. Um, staffing shortages, one of the key things we talk a lot of our friends over on the hospital side, especially, but also on uh, multi-location provider side, staff shortages are all over the place, and that's across the board in every bit, industry, uh, but healthcare is really being hit hard, and, you know, one of our uh, long-term care um, skilled nursing chains is talking about to us Repeatedly about the challenges of how do you convince someone to come in at night at fifteen dollars an hour when they can make more money at um, you know at a fast food restaurant? It's really difficult to hire for uh, given where we are today. Next bullet. Um, this is the I hate to make this the bomber slide, but these are just the realities that we're living with right now. And so we have mass shootings, we have division, there's war in Ukraine. Um, go ahead, next, Kathy. Um, so there's mental health challenges arising from all of this merges and acquisitions are happening. We see this a lot. This is something that is really, really important. Um, the, um, uh, across private equity and healthcare, uh, health systems, and even physician groups are merging and merging again and merging again and getting bigger. And we just recently did a blog, uh, if you want the data on this, uh, essentially the, um, uh not very long ago most doctors were in private practice a couple of years ago about half were remaining in private practice and as of um some recent data 74 percent of doctors now work for somebody else so those numbers have changed dramatically over the past um just a couple of years and a lot of that's due to COVID and all these other things going on but that is fundamentally changing our marketing right if we have that kind of an environment where providers are uh, being rolled up it will impact how we do our marketing next slide or next bullet Inflation's high interest is high you're aware of this next slide or next bullet uh, this is something i read this morning <laughs> um some analysts this is from uh corn ferry which is a consulting firm uh, some analysts believe that the job hiring binge is going to go backwards to shedding uh, by end of the year next slide um, Google, this is another article I read this morning about Google searching for the holy grail. In other words, they're trying to find hybrid. But the net of all of this is there's a lot of uncertainty, right? This is a lot. There's you know good news and bad news. Right now, it feels certainly very stressful for a lot of people. A lot of people are still isolated. Uh, health systems, obviously, are long past being in the, you know, everybody, um, you know, most, a lot of companies now are back to work as normal. People like Google are trying to figure out how to get back to work, um this is you know a lot of things are happening but the main thing I want to take away from this is the last bullet which is even with all this stuff it's we are now seeing that people we feel it we see it everywhere that businesses are really getting back to business they they they're, the patience the waiting um has happened and they're now moving forward i think that's really important so what you know some things were obvious during the pandemic and some weren't going back to the mergers and acquisitions that was happening constantly. And because we are at the pulse of that and work with you know, some private equity companies, we work with these multi-location providers. We were seeing this throughout the um, pandemic, but now you know a lot of other um, organizations may have not been fully engaged with these kinds of things or thinking about marketing, but we are seeing just a huge influx and in interest in marketing. We're uh, the busiest we've ever been in terms of new inquiries and uh, new clients. And there are, and lots of my colleagues and other firms that I know are facing the same thing. So the reality is that we, we are in a new reality. And so that's the purpose of the day is to talk about, okay, we can't wait anymore. And in fact, if we wait, we're going to be left way behind. So we're going to cover today some um, new ideas, some old ideas that we need to dust off, uh, some ideas with some context about like, what are some of the key things we are seeing the successful businesses embrace right now? So with that, I'll turn it back over to Kathy.
0: Thanks, Stuart. Um, So we want to talk a little bit about why you and why messaging is so critical in today's uh, changing environment. It's foundational in establishing a presence and a voice for your brand. Um, Again, we want people to choose you based on your your uniqueness, what you bring to the market, what you bring to your patient population, not just strictly price and sometimes it's those with the deeper pockets win. So we wanna make sure that we're setting up a strategic approach to brand, creating brand resonance, defines who you are and how you are uniquely different from the competition, gives people reasons to choose you. And keep in mind, um, when, when we're looking at basic healthcare decision making, women are making 80% of the healthcare decisions for the family. And we tend to be emotional decision makers. We make decisions and choose things and buy products we connect with and we feel is an appropriate fit. So making sure that that messaging connects with your buyer is critical to optimal conversions with your campaign. It helps them understand why to select select you and as I said connects with your audience. It also helps guide your internal team. Um, we were talking a little bit about, Sarah so was we talking a little bit about um, the difficulty with staffing and a number of our groups have actually reached out to us to develop culture websites that talk about the culture of the organization and then these sites are used for recruitment. So there are strategies and tactics um, to deal with today's changing environment. Uh, I'm sorry, to... Kathy.
1: I just had a quick. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Just a quick note was that you know bringing this back also that was a great point about the culture website. I hadn't thought of that. The other thing is that one of the big things that we're seeing now, and Kathy, you speak to this, the branded house versus house of brands with the acquisitions is something we talk about a lot. Right.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Stuart. So uh, we do have a number of articles, I'm sure many of you are subscribing to our newsletter, but uh, this deck will be available and these are some fantastic articles that we've written on branding and our approach to branding. Um, and then it's, it's just really important to diversify not only your delivery networks but your, your vision on how to resonate and reach these independent audiences. You've got multiple audiences. Uh, We talk about trying to achieve a 30-30-30 ratio. I know that's not exact and you're never going to see it that flat, but uh, 30% of your patients coming from patient-to-patient word-of-mouth referrals, 30% coming from patient self-referrals and 30% coming from professional referrals. Um, When you see a lot of professional referrals, that's great. That means you're highly respected in the medical space, but that tells me you are potentially not optimizing those other channels. So we don't want to diminish any of those channels that you've got, you know, top producing and driving, driving patient volume. But you absolutely want to look at untapped opportunities when it comes to reaching out to consumers directly or optimizing your internal, um, you know, your advocates, your ambassadors that can refer to you if you just stimulate them and reward them for doing so. So your messaging is set, now let's drive that message through a diverse content delivery network. You wanna articulate your brand's message across many channels. You want to achieve a content delivery network that reaches your entire demographic population in their varying buying patterns and, and how they uh, absorb information. Uh, you wanna start with a strong differentiating online property, a strong SEO and optimized local. Most medical searches are local. People are looking for a doctor near me Although many of you may reach beyond a traditional trading zone, most of your immediate revenue and business is going to come from your local market and that is consistently changing and Josh is going to talk about that in detail. Uh, Paid search and paid social, you want to integrate a push and pull strategy both online as well as traditional uh, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more in a minute but you want to optimize your opportunities to be visible where people are searching but also pushing your message where people aren't. And those messaging strategies are very different. Drive up your response three to five percent by layering in traditional media. Uh, We've got a fantastic media planner and it's so much fun to layer in traditional opportunities and watch how much that impacts the growth of the website traffic as well as resonates on our digital and SEO strategies as well. Um, I mentioned culture training. It is critical that your staff understands your uniqueness, your mission, vision, value, We look at a practice like an upside-down pyramid, a hospital and institution balancing on the end of the finger of the people answering your phone. They are responsible for whether or not all of these leads and referral opportunities are converted so it's important that they're properly trained and that they understand how vital their role is to your organization and to your growth. Uh, Make sure you're securing uh, revisits and referrals from patients by optimizing your internal strategies There's many, many of those that you can execute. Um, That's more of a workload on your staff, but you want to keep in touch with them, keep them upsold on additional services and product lines that you offer, and then make sure you're optimizing your professional relationships, your B2B outreach, with a nurturing content strategy. Content is king, and the, the key is to provide enough content so that we're not having to sell, but we're informing, and as a result of informing, they're consistently coming closer and closer to you as a thought leader. Um, And we have a few examples, Stuart, if you want to talk about these for just a minute. Uh, These are three of our recent launches. Uh, Diverse representation, we work in all specialties. Uh, We've literally worked with thousands of hospitals, practices and institutions across the country in our over 30 year tenure. So here's a couple of recent uh, different strategies. We had a large uh, dermatology group that merged multiple practices under one umbrella. So another, engagement that we work on with a number of our clients and actually are doing quite a bit of consulting is in the house of brands or branded house strategic approach. If you are acquiring new businesses that come with their independent brand and that brand may potentially have resonance, it's really important that you have a strategy in place to determine how to absorb that brand. Are we going to take all of these acquisitions and de novo opportunities and put our mark on them And brand them as your own, or will we let them maintain that independent brand that has resonance and probably the reason you're acquiring that business? um, Do we need to let that stand as well? So that's also something we can help with is creating a, a brand extension, brand scaling strategy to make sure you're optimizing each acquisition opportunity. And not hurting either brand in the process. So, Stuart, do you want to talk about these creative executions for a minute? Sure.
1: I just, I guess, more broadly at this point, uh, for the sake of time. But the, we mentioned earlier today with all this upheaval, um, you know, has changed people's uh, buying habits, right? And so, before, you know, the trend towards healthcare consumerism was already vastly underway pre pandemic. Thank you very much. <laughs> but um, now, post um, pandemic ish, <laughs> we're in right now. Um, endemic is what the proper term is I guess the people have really become even more consumer direct so I guess my main point here is the bar has risen like the healthcare used to be a sea of really not very good competition, right? When back in the old days, when we would talk about competition, so said the bad news is you have competition. The good news is most competitors don't know what they're doing. That's not the case anymore. Um, so competitors are strong. So these are, um, without going into detail about these particular clients, these, each of these websites was designed for a different objective. Um, you know, the, the Illinois Dermatology was consolidating, updating, building a brand as a foundation for future growth. Uh, The one in the middle there is a um, uh, men's health uh, business and uh, doing extremely well. And we wanted to update the brand and the image as communicated by the um, website. And then we have addiction, which is very common. And we want to do both things of both informing people um, from an intellectual point of view, why this is better from an emotional point of view, why this is better. Keeping in mind, the audiences include people like um, not just patients, but of course their families, but not just that. It could be social workers. It could be people in the courts. It could be you know relatives. It can be many different things. So the biggest point, I guess, I can make for the sake of time we have today is the competition based upon all the things we discussed, especially the consolidation, is the highest it's ever been, and the consumer direct uh, healthcare consumerism is the highest it's ever been, and both of those trends are growing.
0: Thanks, Stuart. All right, I'm going to pass this over to Josh, and Josh, if you can also give a little introduction about your background as you begin your uh, talk.
2: Yeah, I'm Josh Miam. I'm an Account Director for Healthcare Success, and I had a career at Google for many years uh, speaking as a, a, a conference speaker, essentially expounding on the merits of paid digital, and specifically Google Ads, but today, I want to talk a little bit about some key points to each of these platforms. Google Ads would be the, the primary, but there are a couple others that everyone needs to be aware of and, and aware of what the new um, you know, the new version of these are. So starting off four years old this summer, literally next month, Google Ads is four years old. And, and I say that because it actually had a name change, a significant name change in July of 2018 from Google AdWords, which many of you have heard that term, still very ubiquitous, to Google Ads. That change was made as a result of um, AdWords essentially leaning on the term keyword and Google Ads evolving to become a a lot more functional with regards to marketing and advertising. It does a lot of things that aren't keyword based basically. So incorporating a lot of that huge ecosystem that Google has is is part of what Google Ads has done over the last 10, 20 years. We're talking about YouTube, we're talking about Google Maps. Um, All of these things now work together to, to increase your brand's awareness online. Uh, Google reviews are are critical as well. We all know there are different places where people can review your business. Uh, A Google review is is prioritized in a lot of different ways that helps you uh, elsewhere, right? With Google Maps, with with your your business profile that you have there. Uh, A YouTube presence is is very critical, and I'll touch a little bit more on that momentarily. Uh, But Gmail as well. A lot of folks don't realize that you can do massive, uh, effective Gmail Mm -hmm. campaigns within the Google Ads interface. Uh, the fourth bullet here, I, I added this intentionally. This is a jargony sentence that I want to just kind of break down. Catalyzes brand growth nimbly and effectively. Uh, that is exactly what Google Ads does. Yes, we want. Ideally, we want people to find this organically to look up our, you know, what what we do and find us at the top. Um, you've really got to use ads to get to that point if you're a newer business or if you're new to the online advertising uh, ecosystem. There. Um, when you, when you use Google Ads, you're, you're getting a lot of data that guides your SEO growth. You know, increasingly, we're seeing that it's getting tougher to get data from people. Privacy is becoming more and more prevalent, and that's a good thing. But when we're talking about advertising, you know, we, we use a lot of that information. So when you're using Google Ads right now, you're getting information that can guide your SEO growth, where otherwise you might not have that data. Google wants more control. This is going to be a constant. They're going to continue to ask for um, you know, the keys to your account. We want to show you insights. We want to give you guidance. And while most of that is, is generally positive, when Google is asking for control, they're usually asking for more of your money. And, and our job is to allow you to use that interface properly without giving them more money. Um, you know, there, There's a lot of advantages that you can get out of Google Ads when you're not allowing it to be automated completely. Uh, specific increase, you know, the, the tracking that you get from ads is, is is significant. And I mentioned this before in Google Analytics right now, it's tough to get data on, on what your, you know, your website users are doing. When you're using Google ads, you're getting a lot more of that data. You're paying for it, but it's valuable as well. And then lastly, this platform does require proper management to produce ROI. If Google runs this for you, you might get two to one, you know, you'll, you'll give them hundred and get 200 back. When you're having a professional management firm handle this you're usually looking at two or three times that roi so yes there's a lot of automation involved but it's best to have the right folks handling this for you um next slide please youtube so the google marketing summit happened about a week ago for 2022 and youtube was a very big part of it i've been talking about the merits of youtube for years and one of the main things it does it allows you to create a youtube channel for your brand for absolutely nothing Anything online like this that's free right now? I, I urge everyone to take advantage of that. Um, your YouTube channel ties in quite a bit with Google's ad networks and allows you to uh, serve ads in different areas and allows people to engage with your brand very quickly. One of the things that we're seeing a lot happen you know over the last year, especially um, is you know the YouTube um, when YouTube comes up on on the TV, you know people are doing a lot of casting a lot of over the top. Uh, cable, you're going to see send to my phone, you know, right now, when people are viewing YouTube videos, it's happening a lot more on TV screens than, you know, it has before. Uh, It was briefly the large, largest search engine in the world. It's number two now. But basically, YouTube is a lot of people are searching the YouTube search bar. And right now, if you search for anything really on YouTube, you'll find ads above your video recommendations that happen below that. Uh, So what what I've been telling people when it comes to the media buy that YouTube has, you're you're getting it at a digital cost, which is extremely low in comparison, but this audience is shifting more to the TV media. As I said, you're getting a lot of this YouTube viewership on a TV screen where they're actually able to send that to to their phones. Um, Usually... We see costs of five to seven cents per view. Whenever any, anyone skips an ad, you're not paying for that. So there's a lot of what I call, you know, pre-roll branding happening there. If you have an effective first five seconds of your YouTube videos, it's always going to be a free impression to whoever sees that when they skip it. So, um, you know, a lot of value on this platform. I can't say enough about the importance of YouTube moving forward. Um, next slide, please. I'll just to add to that real quick is how, again, buying habits
1: today are changing. And, you know, I've now become, during during pandemic, a much bigger YouTube user. It's a big part of my life now. And it's funny how I think we're seeing, again, with streaming and, of course, cord cutting. But Google, uh, YouTube was big before when you were speaking
2: about this. It was. Uh, Yeah. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. No, and then, you know, one of the things that they're looking to do um, right now, YouTube ads are uh, evolving a little bit. They're looking for smaller ads for what's called YouTube Shorts. Um, injecting these ads into different places. And and, and yeah, I've been, I've been saying this since I was at Google actually, but but we definitely want to encourage people to uh, develop a good YouTube presence and, and procure that online, especially when it's free to set up a channel and develop that identity. Uh, thirdly, I wanna go into Google Business Profiles. You may know these as Google My Business or GMB, or if you've been around for a while, like I have uh, Google Places was the previous name. Uh, A lot of name changes over the years, that's something Google's very good at. But the important thing to recognize here is that these profiles are are more important than they ever have been for not just digital advertising, they have a place there, but they do tend to rank very highly uh, with local SEO. And then organic rankings are also bolstered by these profiles. So what they are, um, you know, they offer that free local marketing asset that drives a lot of local traffic, very, very critical for healthcare. Um, These profiles... Are, are, are again free, but you do have to do some things to, to build them up and, and make them a little bit more visible and, and more effective. So one of the things they do, they immediately give people easy links to get to your locations. They give you a, a button to tap for a phone call and, and a lot of other functionality right there on the search engine results page. You've got you know, ratings, reviews, things like that. All of that shows up uh, organically, and it's also uh, free to set that up. So One of the things you can do with GMB, Google Business Profiles, GBP, however you want to call it, you can encourage people through that platform to leave you uh, high profile Google reviews. Once again, those are going to help your SEO. They're going to help your brand growth. A Google review is the preferred place to have people reviewing your business. It also allows a lot of social interaction. You, you've got photos and videos, a Q and A, a back and forth for patients. So that dialogue, that previously was one-sided business to to consumer, is now two-sided. And, and you know, Google Business Profiles really allows you a great tool to do that. Google Maps. I, I can't tell you how many calls I've had from people over the years asking me how to get on Google Maps. Well, you can't. You can't say I want to place this ad on this Maps page. What you can do is have your criteria in place for Google to allow you to show up on maps. In this case, that means having an ad campaign running, a location extension tied to that ad campaign, possibly a, a smart campaign. There are a couple of different things that you can do to tell Google, hey, I'm local, I have a business that's relevant in this context of the search that's being made here, and I want to show up. So we, we oftentimes guide people on how to meet those criteria so that you have an ad showing in places effective places like Google Maps. At last, I, I do think that, and I've been saying this for a while, but it's it's usually pretty predictable when Google acts the way they have been with this platform. Uh, Oftentimes they're moving towards monetizing this kind of thing. And all I will say there is that that's not necessarily a bad thing. Usually monetization comes with different tiers of value and and, uh, impact. I I would say, though, that we want to be um, ready for that. You want to have everything that you can for free built up and and, and, as as strong as it can be in advance of anything they may do to bolster this product and add more features. Uh, Next slide, please. So a couple of insights from from these these uh, three slides here is your PPC overbranded uh, a lot of folks will not have a lot of insight into what their paid search is doing they'll get a you know a rudimentary report and, and take a cursory glance at that once a month It's important to know what overbranding is if a, if a vendor is, is handling your PPC and it looks really good, ensure that you're not using your brand name as the main driver of that success you know there are a lot of instances where you want to show up for your brand another competitor maybe try to use that as a keyword that happens all the time what you don't want to do is have the lion's share of your marketing going to a known entity like your branded keywords it should be there in some context but if your numbers are extremely strong it could be representative of over branded paid search What is conquesting and is it happening to me? We all know what it is. The the term's not always as uh, known. So conquesting is when another person uh, is using your brand name as a keyword to get business. Uh, Some people don't think that's allowed. It actually is allowed. Coke will bid on the term Pepsi. Uh, Ford will bid on Chevy. Chevy you know, the other brand, the competitive brands want to give an option to, to someone who may be looking for a service or a product. So it's going to continue to happen. And, you know, a competitor who sees value in your name is allowed to use that as a keyword. What they cannot do is put that in their ad copy. So no one can actually, you know, uh, take your copyright or your trademark. But in the context of overbranded PPC, if you're not using your brand at all as a keyword, there's a chance that someone else is and thus is usurping you on that on that uh, you know search engine results page we don't want that uh, the rise of telehealth search volume is, is extremely noticeable you know mental health is the the biggest driver of that but alcohol is also uh, right there in line with it uh, obviously fentanyl and other drugs and other um, you know mental health and a significant number of urgent care visits have, have seen large spikes in search volume as well so telehealth is here to stay it came about you know, more so as a result of COVID, but a lot of people are seeing the long-term value of telehealth in both the effectiveness of it and in how far you can reach out to to help folks with with that kind of service. Uh, fourth, ad extension usage and importance. One thing I want to touch on here, a lot of folks tell us that Groupon deals are one of the best ways they've ever driven patients, whether it's through their business profile or another, you know, Groupon deal. You can actually do promotions and things like that within Google ads. There's an ad extension called the promotion extension that you can use to offer free screenings. uh, You know, thirty nine dollar screenings, for example, right there within the ad. So while Groupon has been really good for a lot of folks and and, and tends to drive business in some ways, there are other things that proxy that same dynamic that we can be using now without um, paying anything extra. Landing pages are important. I know we showed a few of, of, of uh, you know some of our web work earlier, but it's important to recognize that when Google is giving someone a search result, they're pointing them to the page that matches what they searched. At the lower that relevance is, the the lower they're going to ding you. So we want to ensure that when you know someone's looking for urgent care near me, or you know a, a dermatology doctor, that they're going to a page from that ad that matches with what they were looking for. You know, years ago you could send people to your main site. And, um, you know, give them options to look at anything that you do or any service that you have. Today, we know that if someone is looking for, you know, specifically for sclerotherapy or something, they're going to want to go to a page that has that. Uh, Google ID verification, all I'll say there is that you know, there are a lot of things that Google asks of of uh, advertisers, and some of those things can be convoluted and, and problematic. Um, we handle all of those Google verifications, uh, policy. You know, there are a lot of different rules to be um, conformed to when it comes to advertising on Google. Keyword match types and negatives, you know, this is... Negative keywords essentially tell people, I don't want to show up ever when someone is searching for this word. So if that is free for you, uh, maybe you don't take a certain insurance. You know, we don't want people who are looking for uh, Medicare, for example. Negative keywords are very important. Keyword match types are also important, but I don't want to get you know too nerdy here. But um, the last thing I'll say for these strategic insights is conversion tracking. And I will touch on this at the very end as well a little bit more. But uh, you know, too many people aren't tracking where their phone calls are coming from. They aren't tracking uh, what their ROI is on these different marketing efforts. And, and we feel it's critical to have that in place early on and to gauge and monitor the effectiveness of each campaign with conversion tracking as the means to do that. Uh, next slide, please. And this is just a, a buzz term I wanted to touch on. We've all heard the term uh, geofencing. Essentially, a geofence is, is a virtual boundary that you you know you, you draw around an area that you want to target people if that is a certain neighborhood if that's a certain uh, you know building an event uh, a college campus a hospital system an airport uh, park you know there are different ways where you can find the folks that you're looking for in a very specific area and and, and target an ad to that area and to that specific group of people that's very relevant to them in that moment so geofencing is a buzzword that it's really just uh, targeting the people that you want within a, a fenced area Kathy, I'll hand this back over to you, or sorry, Stuart, for SEO. Thank
0: you, Josh. Yep, Stuart's going to take over SEO. Appreciate your feedback, Josh. And Stuart, you're up.
1: Great. So we're going to talk about SEO in just a moment. I did want to add another thing that occurred to me as Josh was talking. So you mentioned telehealth, and I realized we didn't set that up in the opening. And that is the way healthcare is being delivered has also changed. So that probably should have been on the opening slide. But today, retail healthcare centers um, like CVS, Walgreens, um, you've got telehealth, you've got new pure plays that are coming out. There's disruption everywhere. Um, so it's just part of our landscape. And I feel like um, it's interesting, yesterday we were talking with one of our new clients, which is yet another disruptor, and talked about geofencing around retail clinics and how we do that. So it's really, really important to recognize that things are changing and we have to adapt. So with SEO, uh, again, <clears throat> going back to our, topic here um, of you know post-covid this, this some of these principles were before but they're just even more important now so right now we want to make sure that with our seo strategy it's really thought through not just raw traffic we can get lots of raw traffic but are we in the right places what's our local to seo strategy versus our national seo strategy and what are we searching for intent-based keywords versus educational keywords. And the answers are usually a combination of both. But purposefully, you know, what? how are we trying to position ourselves as a thought leader either in our own market or nationally or worldwide? These are some of the decisions we have to make with SEO. And by the way, um, SEO is one of my very favorite topics. I'm an SEO nerd, I love paid search too. Um, You know, I've literally been at conferences where, you know, Matt says something and I jump in the air, like excited. And that's just like, what a nerd I've become. So I love this stuff. We build our own company with SEO. So let's jump straight into the content here. So one of the things that um, we break down SEO in a variety of different ways, depending on the context. But when we think about SEO, um, we see, you know, again, insights as clients that come to us and things change today you know every client we work with has websites every client has you know some seo could be good or bad oftentimes i've been paying for seo and it doesn't have the most basic functionality built in and that's always floors me that the most basic stuff the layups are being ignored so the technical seo is something that most people think of seo and it is really important but things like how do you structure your navigation is absolutely vital Um, when we migrate um websites from an old website to a new website that step is absolutely vital um i'll give you guys a little um secret here we're about to relaunch a, a website the first version of our own website in a long long time and um that planning is underway right now all those links what exactly is going to happen step by step by step and we that with our clients as well one of the websites we showed earlier um Receive the thirty percent bump when we when we relaunched the website, which is you know if you don't do it right, it can throttle your SEO presence. So doing all that prep and uh, work to make sure the launch is being done properly can actually help you, and if you don't do it right, can really really hurt. You know things like internal linking and URLs and uh, page speed is a performance issue. Google cares a lot about uh, page speed, and it cares a lot about uh, mobile responsiveness. And now today about two thirds of searches are mobile. So it's really, really important to be thinking of all of these things. And then we start thinking about, okay, um, that's all the technical stuff. Well, how do we build our brand through this? And one of the things we talk about a lot um, with clients and when we do speaking at different venues is that when we're talking to Google or when we're doing websites, in fact, I had this conversation yesterday with one of our clients. Um, When we're talking about a website, the challenge is well anybody can write, but the problem is we need to write for multiple audiences on websites. So we especially need to write for the healthcare consumer, right? That's obvious, we think. Well, we also have to write for caregivers in many cases. Okay, that's another audience. But we actually have to write for professional furs. Okay, that's another audience. And then really, really importantly, we have to write for Google. <laughs> we have to be written in a way that Google understands what's on the page. And oh, by the way, in healthcare, it needs to be factual and it needs to be captivating and motivating. So writing the content side of Google is vital. And at the end of the day, you can have all this technical stuff done. If you don't have the right content, uh, it's just not going to be successful. And then how do you get um, good SEO is to create great content, content that other people want to link to. And um, I don't have time for today, but the whole story of Google's billions comes down to one insight, which is that the most important research papers uh, were cited by others, and Google, in a similar way, felt that um, sites with more links and better links and more relevant links are more likely to be authoritative. So this is a lo- this is never a one step. Uh, race this is a a never-ending marathon with SEO but the good news is as you over time it gets stronger and stronger and becomes a valuable asset next slide next slide Um, this is just a sneak peek at how uh, what this looks like this when we work with clients we do deep dive audits into every all of these different types of things so we want to look at Content and linking and navigation and uh, redirects and URL structures and silos and uh, lots and lots of technical stuff beyond the scope of today. But the key point here is that again, when we see in today's environment, again, every website, every client has a website. Every provider or every healthcare system that we work with already has a website. But typically, there's a lot of low-hanging fruit that this would reveal. I guess that's a good point to make. Many times, when we go through these audits, the first thing we find is like, whoa, this is, the, I got good news and bad news. The bad news is this was done horribly, but the good news is when we fix it, we can get a real boost of results. So, many times, before we worry about writing new content, for example, we'll go in and technically change the way the content is uh, created or the way it's structured and leverage what you've already got. Find low hanging fruit for some quick wins. So that's really, really an important step. So that's something that we look for a lot. Next slide. Um, Local search. So local is different. And and local is really considering uh, the actual algorithm with Google is different for local search. Josh talked about Google profiles, and we all laugh internally, how hard it is to get away from saying GMB, it just rolled off the tongue, but um, you know, to show up well on maps on the organic side of this, because um, it's all about um, the type of business, the proximity and the credibility of the local business. They call it prominence in the Google parlance. And so it has a separate algorithm. The things, some of the things just on the organic side of this, What helps? Well, first of all, just tell you to make sure that your listings are um, consistent across all types of listing, not just Google. Uh, Secondly, and because I'm talking about the name, address, phone number is classic because Google has a hard time understanding what the source of truth is out there. So making sure you have that handled. Number two, making sure that those profiles are robust with every possible field that you can fill in. Now, this is harder and more important as you get into multi-location businesses like we often work with. It's one thing to do one office, it's another to do 50 or 100 or 300 offices. So the importance of this just gets more and more. And then if you start thinking about are we going to include our providers and how are we going to do that? So I know it sounds easy, but it's not always. And so you have to think about how to scale that. Another thing to think through is um, review, uh, not just reviews that Josh alluded to earlier, but responding to reviews. Google's come out and officially said it will favor websites that not only have good reviews or have a lot of reviews and good reviews, it favors uh, sites that, um, where someone is responding to reviews. So this is a whole nother area. And when we're looking at, um, we don't have a SERP here, a search engine results page in our deck, but if you look at a typical search engine results page with the paid ads at the top, then the Google local search in the middle, then the natural results below, People ask me all the time, well, where do I want to be? And I'm like, hey, I'm a pig. I want them all. And so those are, you really do want them all. And those are three different strategies. Next slide. Uh, I mentioned mobile first, and just for the sake of time, I'll go through this quickly. Um, Mobile is just dominating uh, search these days. And I mentioned earlier, roughly probably two-thirds of searches we're seeing, but that varies. Some of our, like the more contemplated um, purchases like cancer might be closer to 60%, but something like urgent care might be 80% mobile. So mobile is uh, dominant. And I can't think of a client where desktop is more prominent in terms of number of searches for any of our clients. I can't think of a single one. So it's always the most important, but sometimes it's really, 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 really important. So we want to make sure that we have our mobile strategy uh figured out some of the things we talked about here at voice search voice search is an opportunity now it's funny we have a google home speaker downstairs um we have our life is built around that at times it's when it's time to give our dog his meds <laughs> you know we ask him to play music all the time and we also ask you know for like hey where's target's address or whatever so we will ask things that are localized um based i also use serial all the time with my iphone and my watch so the uh, those searches if you design it right and oftentimes in sort of an faq manner can uh, be more likely to show up for google voice and uh, mobile first indexing what this slide is referring to is back in 2015 or 16 i think it was 16 they called it mobile get when google first said we really care a lot about um mobile first but in 2021, it started its mobile-first indexing. So this is, these are big deals and big changes for today. Next slide. Um, the yeah, what this is really referring to is uh, we want to play both. So having high organic rankings increases being the local the local pack. So in other words, if your website is strong and the way it's designed, you'll actually do better with Google Local and the Google My Business or Google Profile. Um, so the, and I mentioned some of these other things. So you really just have to plan on local search focus. Um, and again, going back to pandemic, all we're seeing is just so much more sophistication (laughs) It used to be a couple of years ago, pre pandemic that, you know, if you're, um, competing against a multi, another multi-location provider that their Google stuff was kind of all over the board. You know, it's like, sometimes their listings were good. Sometimes they weren't, nobody was really paying attention to the reviews. Nowadays, uh, not, um, not only do you have to focus on your own, you have to recognize that your competitors are taking this very seriously. And if you haven't looked at competitive searches around your locations lately, I suggest you do. Next slide. Okay, I will add before, we're going to just do a, like sort of a speed dating here for the rest of the time, because I want to make sure we have time for, Kathy, do you want to cover any specific topics out of these? We've got about 15 minutes left, and I have a few minutes left for Q&A, so we'll cover whichever. Yeah, I'm you just going to, we've just
0: got three little sections left, so we'll just get through these. Um, so traditional, we mentioned earlier that, that really marketing falls into two categories, push and pull, and layering on traditional into a digital strategy improves your search results, improves traffic to the website, improves uh, brand resonance. So make sure that we're not omitting traditional uh, to old school thinking because the pendulum has swung back and the uh, integration of the two, traditional and digital is really optimal for full market presence. And then uh, we also do a lot of work with B2B. B2B has really changed obviously through COVID that was difficult to get into meet uh, potential decision-makers. So we have developed multiple different strategic approaches to be the air war to your ground troops, if you will. We can create a strategy that makes um, their visits last longer, that resonates further. It also helps warm up the uh, businesses that they're calling on. So it's good to have a layered strategy targeting your B2B candidates. You also have the opportunity to do geo-fencing and target a specific campus or an event, as Josh mentioned earlier. There are a lot of B2B targeting opportunities that are available digitally, as well as an email list. You're able to target on social media uh, with a pr- you know pretty good uh, accuracy and consistency on an email list. So again, there's a lot of different ways that we can layer in B2B to help support your outreach team. Um, and then as I mentioned, you have the opportunity to target them not only on social media, but we can do retargeting. So building in a layered approach on top of Uh, marketing automation and email marketing on top of your trade shows and conferences that you're attending and then making sure that your team is trained and that they're executing proper strategy and tactics and follow-up so you can optimize those opportunities as well. The difference with B2B is you're dealing with a much larger price tag on those relationships than you are with individual patients. So if one of those relationships is mishandled, that can cost the the business hundreds of thousands of dollars and lost revenue. So it's really important that your staff is polished and understands the importance of their role in your business. Um, and then this is an example of our recent, we just redid our backdrop and have been having a lot of fun at the conferences. Um, Stuart uh, suggested that we raffle off this Fender guitar, which just gives the, the whole environment a little bit more personality, makes it fun for your staff as well as people coming by the booth. So it gives you something interesting to talk about. So also critical that you build a strategy Uh, for your conferences and events that you're attending, not just showing up and and, um, hoping for engagement, but putting things out there that are far more engaging and interesting and provocative that they can talk about following the event. All right, and then optimizing phone conversions. I mentioned earlier that we look at the practices, businesses, hospitals, like an upside-down pyramid balancing on the end of the finger of the people answering your phone. They need to be aware that each new inquiry is a top priority. Um, establish rapport with a perfect greeting, making sure they understand your mission, vision, value, and they're communicating that on each and every call because each call is an opportunity. Discover the caller's need. Don't make it all about you. Establish value though. Make sure that they take something away from that call that makes them remember you and understand why they should choose you as opposed to their alternatives, dual alternative clothes, try to minimize those decisions for them and be sure to answer their objections. There's a high level of emotion. Um, Selling healthcare is very different than retail. You're selling something people don't want to have to buy. They'd rather not be sick or not need surgery or not need the services that you're offering. So there's a very high level of fear and emotion, especially leveled on top of everything Stuart talked about in our intro. Set your staff up to succeed. Make sure that they've got training. Make sure you've got the right people in the right positions. If they're telling you they don't want to be on the phone, uh, you want to hear them. So it's important that you've got the right personalities and people and track every single inbound lead. Uh, And we've got lots of ways to do that uh, automatically through um, tracking call numbers and devices through attribution that we set up. But you also want the staff aware of where these calls are coming from. And then analytics and reporting, we also make sure that we're very transparent. It's critical any agency partner that you have remains transparent with their planning and their tracking so that you can view the tracking real time on a dashboard that allows you to see how well the campaigns are looking. And I'm gonna have uh, Stuart and Josh talk about tracking and analytics. Josh is in the center of it and Stuart really drove the build of this. So um, with that being said, either of you two wanna take the lead?
2: Yeah, as far as the dashboard that we offer, I mean, we want we want to ensure that we're always looking at things like cost per inquiry, cost per click, how how much of the impression share we're getting, uh, the overall traffic boost, and a lot more. Um, our our dashboard, our reporting dashboards, are available twenty four seven. We we definitely want clients to be in there and taking a look at things. Very transparent in that way. Tracking numbers are one of the most important things you can do regarding any of this marketing. Your Google My Business, your website, and your ads should all have different numbers. Your YouTube should have its own number, et cetera. Uh, Call recording and call tracking platforms are important as well. They tell you which uh, of your marketing efforts are actually driving ROI and which ones you should put more effort into. And then things like uh, caller ID, call length. You get a lot of data from these. We share all of that. It helps to guide the decisions that grow your business. All
0: right. Thanks. Josh? And that concludes our presentation. So we did have a couple of questions come in. Um, uh, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry. Actually, Kathy, before we get that, we didn't, we haven't brought it up yet because you reminded me. <laughs> um, so we offered, we decided to make an offer for anybody who's on the call today. Um, we call it a SEO or digital checkup. So if you're interested in, it's not a full audit like we referred to earlier, but if you'd like to speak to Kathy or Jacob um, about some of our um, uh how your presence is showing up for some of your locations or location, your website, how it's doing in terms of SEO especially, but also page search reputation or what have you. Um, you can reach out to us uh, and uh, we will happily give you the SEO digital checkup. <laughs> so Kathy, do you want to read off the questions or do you want me to? Or how would you like to go? Who wants to go? I'll
0: let you on? do that, sir. You go ahead and write oh, off I, right?
1: Perfect. All right. So the first one was, um, submitted to Josh and he was asking, uh, will your Google listing
2: be monetized by AdSense? What are the requirements? Yeah, and so for that, it's, it's speculation The Google business profiles will be monetized soon. That would not have a tie-in with AdSense, most likely. AdSense is going to be what puts ads onto your website and how you you know accrue revenue from that. In this case, we're talking about Google business profiles evolving from a free only version to something where you have the free variant and then you've got different tiers of value where you're paying a little bit for extra features, more, more so that kind of a dynamic than your profile having ads on it or being monetized itself.
1: Very good. Um, the oh, Somebody asked for an email address for the um, offer. Sure. So if you just send it to info, info, info at success.com um uh, natanya will help you coordinate a the online checkup so kathy um let's see another question came in um what are your thoughts on uh, direct mailing for virtual practice or for any kind of business actually i can speak to that too yeah
0: well you know direct mail kind of falls into that we're talking about push and pull marketing (laughs) Uh, direct mail has benefits and uh, drawbacks, it can be costly, you need to hit a household multiple times in order to have resonance. they say often three to five times, um, so it's really important that you build out a strategy, make sure your list is accurate, that's the, one of the biggest criteria um, You know, in looking at the variables with testing a strategy like that is the accuracy of that list, then your messaging and your offer and your timing are also critical. But we do a number of direct mail campaigns as a layer on top of other strategies. So it's more of an integrated approach. Um, Haven't done a standalone. I know that was part of the question. So you'd want to make sure that you're not just putting all your eggs in one basket and that you've got a little bit of of, um, diversity in your outreach.
1: And I'd like to add to that, too, because I've done about uh, early in my career, I probably was involved with about a half a billion pieces of mail delivered uh, for great big banks and people like that um so mail today is funny it's it's uh in a renaissance it's a reawakening because it was you know when uh, we started way back when you know digital was um non-existent or nascent and then it became digital 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 and we were way ahead saying let's do digital let's do digital and then eventually the world caught up and now everybody forgot about (laughs) the traditional mailings and traditional things like that so it's funny as as a ceo of a company i rarely get direct mail it's crazy And so it's a great way, I get hundreds of emails a day, but I only get a few pieces of direct mail. So direct mail, given its intrusive nature, can be really effective. The key is with direct mail is to have the right list. It comes down to the right list. We always used to talk about the right list is um, at least 40% of the effectiveness of it. So the right offer is maybe another 40%. The creative itself is maybe 20, but it's a list. If you're without the right list, it's gonna be dead on arrival before it even starts. Next question is about. I, I think Josh will give that one to you. Yeah. Um, the, okay. You yeah. responded to it on the WordPress question.
2: Yeah. Is WordPress a great flat platform to use? Some argue that it's outdated, even in healthcare. I, I would. I would contend that uh, it's still an industry titan. Uh, WordPress allows the biggest feature that WordPress allows is, is integration and plugins to almost every app or in, you know feature that you want to plug into. When it comes to call tracking, uh, customer management systems. WordPress is going to be, in most cases, the easiest. And I'm not shilling for WordPress, Right? we use all kinds of different platforms, but I'll tell you that it's not dead by any means and it has a lot of functionality that uh, some of the other you know, web hosting and building platforms uh, yearn to have.
1: I want to finish with one, let's see, we've got
2: actually a time for, let's see. That looks like right. one for you. Yeah. I'm sorry, what, Josh? That new question might be a good one for you.
1: Yeah, so I'll answer a couple of things here. The The question is, if opening another healthcare clinic in a different location, what should be the focus, online presence, B2B or B2C? And the answer is it depends, unfortunately, because it depends what kind of business you have. Like, for example, if it's an urgent care center, um, the focus would be on um, making sure you have a fantastic location with really good signage, make sure you're delivering a great patient experience, making sure that you have... Um, uh, some digital like SEO, local SEO and page search around that clinic. It's really straightforward. These things we've done many, many, many times before. If it's a medical specialty practice, like for gastroenterology, you'd want to do all those things probably in some part, but building relationships with the referring doctors is key and making sure in fact, before I even chose a location, I would want to see if the uh, referring doctors in the area perceive a need for whatever service we're offering. So that's a pretty complicated Question, uh, that one might be better offline. So if you're interested in talking to Kathy or Jacob about that, um, uh, with Jacob, by the way, as the strategist we introduced earlier, um, uh, they could go into more de- details on that. Um, oh, Sports medicine, physical therapy is the focus. Okay. That, yeah. So that's a pretty hybrid. It's funny. I went to a PT yesterday (laughs) for my shoulder, which hurts all the time. I guess that was the The answer was, it was a a sports therapies or a physical therapy practice. So in that case, you definitely want to make sure you have the contracting figured out. You want to make sure you have the right facility. Uh, I would say in PT, that is an explosively competitive uh, marketplace. Now, there's a few national chains that have hundreds of locations. So if you're one of those Larger brands, you know, some of the things we talk about a lot is, you know, how do we integrate brands of is this a de novo practice is this a, you know, are we taking over a series of other locations what's the branding strategy again it's a pretty complex question that we see all the time. The last question I'll just throw in here because I know this is something Kathy that uh, our clients ask about a lot and since you're on the ground you're here to the ground more than you know even me or Josh because you're talking to clients every day. Um, for the multi-location businesses what are just sort of the top two or three things that just tend to come up in conversation when you know new people are reaching out to you whether it's a health system or a multi-location provider what are some of the things that just are you know table setting
0: right um i think one of the main uh conversations we have is branding naming conventions is making a determination when you're purchasing either a single practice or group of practices the most appropriate way to go after that, that brand and, and communications strategy. Um, I'd say second to that would be uh, call centers and training for call centers. If the phone calls are all coming into a central location being rather than being individually handled by each respective phone team, uh, that's a real important criteria to determine. And then also supporting that brand with your mission, vision, value, just making sure everybody's in alignment around that. And then a strong digital strategy foundationally being, you know, driven, tra- driving traffic to a, uh, a brand driven website. So you'd start with your visibility online, your messaging, and then your SEO and digital, and then you layer on top from there. So that's really your foundational starting point. But the, the naming conventions are really a big challenge for a lot of these large mergers. Um, that's that seems to be the number one.
1: Very good. Well, hey, everybody, thank you for joining us today. We enjoyed this. This was a race to come a lot of it's just our nature we like to give as much value and information as we can in a short period of time i would just finish with the last thought is that our world really has changed we've lived through a crazy couple of years it's um, changed our lives and it'll change life as we know it Uh, we'll never go back to what we had before Uh, there's been some bad news clearly but there's been good news right healthcare a lot of things that would have never happened in healthcare changes that were necessary have happened as a result for example telehealth right telehealth um went uh, from zero to full speed in a matter of weeks and it it would have taken decades probably to get consumers and uh providers to embrace it and today even though it's not as prevalent as it was at the height of the pandemic it's still 38 times higher than it was at the beginning so usage in terms so the marketing the product uh the strategy it's all changed so it's an exciting time even if sometimes it feels a little unsettling so i want to thank you again for joining us um We've enjoyed it, and if you'd like to reach out and get your um, discussion with Kathy or Jacob, thank you for thanking us, the people in their comments here.
0: Uh, Just send an email to info at healthcare success and we'll set up a time with you. Thanks so much, bye.